This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with design researcher and author Victor Yako about his new book, Design for the Mind, Seven Principles of Persuasive Design. Victor, welcome back. Uh, great to have you again. So now I have some questions, some things that came up in the book that you know might be helpful to talk through. For example, you talk about positive outcomes. How do you, well, measure that? Okay, so we're talking about positive outcomes. How do you measure that? And really, what constitutes a positive outcome for our specific users? So I, I try to address that somewhat in the book, but I don't get into too fine detail. Uh, there are a number of ways to, first, you need to identify the positive outcome, you're right, and and then actually try to measure that. And so part of it will depend on the type of product you have. So what is the outcome that you want? Obviously, we could start in saying that having people use your product is is one outcome that you want. So number of users, but then is it purchasing things through your product? Is it using your product to find information? Maybe you aren't offering something for sale, but you're offering uh, information for consumption. But sort of that clouds, because um, there's two different entities here. One is the website purveyor, you know, who says a positive outcome is they use my product or they buy my thing or they do whatever. But the positive outcome for the user um, may be different. Like you, you've been alluding to, they find the information they were looking for. They have sure. whiter teeth. But how do we sort of measure that or how do you approach it when, you know, what bells go off in your head when you're looking at something that a designer is proposing? Well, I think that from my angle, it is the experience itself being something that is usable and a user would walk away not being frustrated with having spent either less time or having found something that replaces a more difficult uh, process that they have to go through currently. A lot of the designs that we create are replacing legacy systems mm -hmm. for really large enterprises where the layout is nothing but boxes and buttons and data entry fields and so we talk to users and they tell us their frustrations are around not instantly landing on a page and understanding what to do or not understanding whether or not the data they entered was correct because they don't get an error message until they're completely finished with a workflow. And those are types of things where once you implement them, then hopefully when you go back and talk to users, you hear that there's less frustrations, but there's also, we use uh, the system usability scale which is a survey that's fairly commonly administered mm -hmm. And hopefully you would see an increase in that if you're accounting better for the psych psychology and usability of a product. I mean, that would be a, a sort of concrete way, and it would also be a number that you could present to your client or your peers to say, hey, there is evidence that what we're doing is effective. So, But I truly think that from the perspective of a design, of a product's design, and what would be meaningful in terms of the success of a user is, is really that it's something that 
even if they don't want to use it because of the situation that they have to be using it in mm -hmm. isn't is maybe you know nobody wants to use hemorrhoid cream but if there's something that is really painless about the process of acquiring it and then getting to the point where you are using it that that's where it should be there shouldn't be a bunch of dread associated with using your product on top of a situation that's already not pleasant right interesting and um, that's that can be hard to measure but also that was that's been my sort of the field that i've operated in since being in the settings of zoos and trying to measure was there any attitude shift towards environmental issues or towards the appreciation of fine art and so it's sort of my other soapbox, I have a few of them, but okay. one of my other soapboxes that I've been on a little bit lately um, and I've written a few articles on is that having dedicated researchers is really important. People who are familiar with creating studies and have a strong social science background because I don't think it's fair that we ask designers to build and design and test their own product nonstop or do all the background research that, and I have the luxury of working in a space where we do have dedicated researchers, but I think that's something I'd love to see more of as uh, studios mature, as shops realize the value of research and that research can also be something that's sold alongside design. So, I mean, a lot of technical people listen to our, our podcast and some designers and some are coders. And it sounds like, and I'm trying to get a sense of this, what's the most important part of the website? Is it the design? Is it the code? Is it the uh, UI, UX? Um, and I know they all work together, but it's it sounds like design is the packaging of all of it together in the presentation layer and what people really interface with. So are we saying, boy, designers are really important here? No, because I think that what design de, – yes, designers are important. <laughs> we'll edit that. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody is important. But I don't think that – so you can design something, but if it can't be developed, then it's just this imaginary concept. And so while the design is important because it's going to show you what the path is, designers – and developers need to work closely together to make something really built that, that that's realized and is not full of bugs or of potential that, that isn't tapped into. And so I, I would not say that design is more important. I would say that design that's done in a way that can then be implemented effectively is important, but that means the developer plays just as critical of a role in understanding what the design is meant to do and building out the product so that it carries that out. I mean, working as a client facing, we have front end developers here, but we often don't get involved in the back end process. And we've seen a number of situations, though, where our design has been handed over to the clients and then they've used their own developers to implement it. and it hasn't come across very well. And part of that, I think, is because the des our designers and their developers didn't maintain that working relationship mm -hmm. if they didn't keep us on the project. So, yeah, I would say that having the design is important and it's it's critical. 
an effective design that reduces the workload for the user creates more work on the back end. Right. And that means we need great developers who understand what it is the design is trying to accomplish and then take it upon themselves and the code that they're writing to do all these processes in the back end that make life easier for our users. Well, I guess my, my comment was more, I mean, I agree that, that when it was more to bait you on that, that whole point of you can't, there's no shortcuts in all of this. And I think what's nice about what you've done is you have given us, you know, you could say it in the negative, you've given us a lot more to worry about. You've certainly given <laughs> us handles to put on those things that we need to worry about really, but you've provided a context now for us to understand really one of the most critical components of communication on the web is how do we how do we frame things how do we talk about them how do we actually take into account the way a human interfaces or deals with this information as they're consuming it and i think that's largely been missing from you know all but the highest levels of you know website companies out there is really this whole concept of you're dealing with a human that is a complex thinking machine that really is um there's a lot of understanding out there which you've sort of given us that first peek into you've gone through these seven these seven principles uh do you think there's going to be another book with eight nine and ten or is this is this it you're done or oh i don't know that's a great question i i mean i guess that's also for for readers to decide. Right. I enjoy I enjoy writing. I know I'm fairly certain that if I wrote another one that I mean I could do it in a similar style and have mm-hmm. it be just more more principles that weren't addressed in the first book, but there's also there's a pretty expansive set of behavioral change research that that I would love to sort of tell a story from start to finish with so we never encounter people who are blank slates right people bring their whole life and background to us how do we acknowledge where someone is at and then walk them down this path towards where they might want to be or we might want them to, to be in a way that really makes sense incrementally. And there's some psychology out there that I would love to, because writing also gives me the opportunity to think about how these things apply. Right. Um, I would love to think more about that says like where we acknowledge people that they're currently at. And then what are the stages that they go through if they want to change their behavior or start engaging in a new behavior and how do we design what researchers would call interventions mm-hmm. that would that would meet them along the way to help facilitate their journey and i would love to give some exploration of sort of this more cohesive start to finish story using psychological principles absolutely well my opinion if it's worth anything is this book is a definite read uh you really should uh acquire it and uh the show notes will have all the information. It's designed for the mind by Victor Yako. Yes, sir. All right. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of the things we've talked about, you know, might sound a little complicated, especially if you're re- you know listening to this while you're driving or distracted. And the book requires, if you're not wired in this or, you know, not a psychology person, it requires real good attention to listen, to read it and reread it and uh, to get some of these principles. But once you start to internalize them, they're incredibly applicable. 
So I would, you know, with uh, two thumbs up, I guess I would say, uh, in the Siskel and Ebert uh, world, um, would be mine. I'm waiting for the movie to come out. <laughs> and I, uh, it's, sure. it's, it's optioned, is it? Is it? Uh, so <laughs> hopefully that'll come. Is there anything we haven't covered, uh, Victor, that you'd like to cover? Well, I mean, I want to definitely say thank you, and I'm honored and humbled to hear the the praise that you've given Design for the Mind. And I would also like to offer you and your listeners a discount code that I can pass along to you for 39% off the book if you purchase it through my publisher's website. Okay. Um, but it can often be found at just about the same price on Amazon. So okay. I'll be forward about that. But if you don't mind posting it in the show notes, the code is 39 Yako, Y-O-C-C-O, and that's for 39% off the book. Cool. And I don't know if there's psychology that was involved in that. I was going to ask. I was just going to ask. I, I, I have to – I feel like the answer should be yes or that like somewhere research says 40% is too much, but 38% isn't enough to motivate <laughs> people. So 39, that's the motivational number. All right. Um, and – but – I, I guess I, we've had a great conversation today, and as far as psychology and the principles of psychology and even getting into user research goes, I really had a great time discussing things. And if there's anything that piques someone's curiosity or interest out of the book, they can always contact me. I'm on Twitter at Victor Yako, and then also feel free to email me at victoryako at gmail.com. Um, I, I always feel if somebody takes the time to write something, I will take the time to reply. But I think that getting the opportunity to talk to people, designers, developers, about the importance of psychology is really an opportunity that I can't pass up because, and I think that you did a great job explaining this throughout the interview, but even though we're working in a digital interface, the, the thing I realized, even though I was working in a zoo or in an art museum with a collection, it really still was about people and mm -hmm. how people work. And that to truly honor that and acknowledge that we want to create great experiences, we have to then think about the psychology of our users. It's just, there's no way of detaching that. Right. Well, when you do, you get a lot of what we have on the web. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've done our part to improve the human experience with the web. And uh, I look forward to um, talking to you in the future. I have some ideas for some other podcasts, which uh, we may invite uh, Victor to participate in. So I think that pretty much sums it up. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you for your time. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.